there's just going to be this moment in history where it just strikes. Yeah. It could be when you're 60, it could be when you're 14. Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show is about thriving as a creative person. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with Creative Pep Talk and my creative work by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump in to today's episode. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, antijpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Okay, so today on the show, I have an extremely special guest. I've been wanting to do an interview with this chap for quite some time. We have none other than lettering legend, Eric Marinovich. This guy is uh, one of my all-time favorite people. I met him a few years ago, and I always kind of think of him as the Michael Jordan of lettering. This guy can do it all. He calligraphy, uh, brush strokes, vectors, just gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. He can make letters in snow. Uh, This guy's got it all. And, uh, you know, when I met him, I was kind of prepared to meet Michael Jordan, which is an intimidating vibe. And then we go hang out. This is in San Francisco where he's based. And it's like meeting Michael Jordan and finding out that he's really Mother Teresa. Uh, (laughs) That's what it was like to meet Eric because this guy is the sweetest guy. He's so kind. He's so people-oriented. And I just felt like he schooled me not only in creativity, but in how to just be a good person. And uh, man, he, he honestly has been a massive inspiration 
uh, to me for a long time in terms of art, but then since I met him, I've just been inspired by the way that he deals with people and, uh, you know, it really had a big impact on me. So when I heard he was going to be in Indianapolis, I knew that I had to drive over and interview him in person. And we also have uh, sidekicks today, Bob Ewing, lettering artist in Indianapolis, big friend of mine, love Bob, he's such a good dude, uh, who chimes in a little bit. And then also we have Sean Togetsky, uh, who's a lettering artist from Michigan, uh, and I think he chimes in a few times as well. Uh, it was great hanging out with these guys, we had a blast, and uh, I know that you are going to learn uh, so much from Eric and you're gonna just be super inspired by his story. So get ready for that. Real quick, just wanna say a big shout out and thanks to thangmfg.co. Those are the folks behind uh, These Are Things. They started a new little company to help people create pins and patches. If you've wanted to make pins and patches but you've been overwhelmed to do that, uh, go check them out. They will help you get your pins and patch designs made in the flesh. They did that for me. If you have pin and patch designs in mind but you've been overwhelmed by getting them manufactured, go to thangmfg.co and go get some made. They'll make it super easy and they come out fantastic, so go check them out. Okay, here it is, my interview with none other than lettering legend Eric Marinovich. Be aware this episode contains some language. So, Eric, what I realized is that I know you as an artist, but not so much as a person. So you don't have to go all the way back to womb times, but I'd love to know, like, high school... College, how this, how you got to where you are now? Oh, nice. Um, Straight in. I was, I was, maybe that is a uh, common thread among creatives, but I really wasn't talented at anything other than. I remember in seventh grade, I'll start at seventh grade in health class. For some reason, there was a uh, the teacher had prompted on like career day. What do you want to do? And there was this booklet that literally listed every single job in the universe and what the salary was at that time and place. I won't name years because it's too long ago, (laughs) but in it I wanted to be a comic book artist. I just, I I soaked that up. I spent all of my hard-earned allowance money on comic books. Uh, I was like Marvel, and then Image came in. I was all about Spawn. I was like Spawn, but Marvel, then Image for a while. But I remember looking at like what the salary of a comic book artist yeah. was, and it was listed at seventeen thousand dollars. <laughs> and at that oh my gosh. nimble age, in the book, yeah. But at the nimble <laughs> age of seven, or not seventeen, because seventeen thousand. No, uh, let's say I was thirteen. Yeah. That I under, I could, I just had the foresight to like that is. Wow, that is terrible money. <laughs> Fast forward twenty years, and I wasn't even oh, close to making that. Dude. So, um, but I, I I didn't let go of that path because I knew I wanted to be creative, and really that was a most. It just felt natural, and I could waste hours and not really consider the time I was wasting. Like the sun would be rising, I was like, oh, cool, it's. It's sunny outside again. What were you doing? Were you just drawing, like copying shit? stuff out of yeah, yeah like comics. drawing Wolverine, drawing whatever I could, and I have like books of it at my parents' place still. Yeah, but that that was kind of 
the, the starting point. And then also I was always encouraged. I had like decent teachers through junior high and high school. And um, Did you ever make up your own X-Men? Oh yeah. Well, I came up with my own comic. Yeah. And I think it was <laughs> like great. the Genesis. Genesis yeah. came out and there was like Streets of Rage. Yeah. So I switched the words around and called Rage in the Streets. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it exists. Dude, I, I need to find it. it. I, I'm sure it's. We it's, need it for the show notes. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's so good. I think I maybe maybe made it into like page five yeah. of the comic, right. but it was That's pretty good. I didn't have a chance to ink it. You know, <laughs> I was just focused on my pencil skills. Oh my god. I didn't have um. What is there's some like famous Mark Mark something. I'm forgetting his name. He's a famous like Marvel comic uh, ink yeah. artist. Anyways, so. Then kind of fast forward through college, I went to San Luis Obispo, Cal Poly, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which is um, a state school, but it's really known for like its ag department and its like astrophysics engineering department. What? Those two, I know, the fact that those two <laughs> exist on the same yeah. campus is... Wait, so you're, are you from California? Originally from okay. California, right. yeah, from, from Northern California. So I went to a small liberal arts school and literally I think we were so insignificant in the grand scheme of that uh, university that like we had to share the building with like uh, ROTC yeah. and then like city development planning. <laughs> we had like three rooms dedicated to the oh program. Oh my gosh. And the, the teachers were good, but I was fortunate that I had like three classmates that I just connected with at a level that we could understand that there was something else out there and we really kind of pushed each other. So my, my great friend Keith, he was into music, uh, more of fine arts. So he was like, hey, have you ever heard of the Pixies? And this yeah. is kind of crazy that I didn't know of them by the time I was in college. Yeah. But I was like, what is this? He's like, have you ever heard of Deltron? I'm like, no. And really? then you start realizing like, Deltron 3030? Yeah. Oh, I know every word. I know. Weird, it's so good. Oh, I, I know not all the lyrics, but I'm happy that you know all the lyrics. <laughs> um, I wish I had that skill. Dude, I, I love that album. It's good. Uh, so, of course, you know, being exposed by peers that know more than you and then the willingness for you to accept that um, mm. there are just things outside of the things that you thought you liked and that you thought were really good yeah. that you have these people who have better interests and are like more nerdy than you yeah. just raises the nerd bar on like okay maybe what have I been listening to yeah should I reinvestigate these comics? Should yeah. I go into like reading graphic novels? You know, <laughs> up in your game. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's hilarious. Yeah. How have I not matured? I do you think way? like leveling up your taste requires humbling yourself. Like these people know more than me. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I don't understand this, but I'm gonna try it. Yeah, yeah. But then being with those peers that don't belittle you for not knowing, mm -hmm. they're just like, oh, cool. Well, here. Um, I'll bring in like the CD tomorrow or mm. I'll bring in my favorite book or, you know, just that sharingness. Um, that's something that I wasn't really surrounded with until like, you know, I met Keith and then that carried on to um, when I moved to New York, worked with another caliber of creatives and graphic Why design. did you move to New York? Uh, there was just a time like the, uh, I feel like it was before the big recession and the economy was really slow and I just couldn't find work. Right. So I actually uh, apprenticed under my dad who at the time he had his own bricklaying business. Mm -hmm. So I was considering taking, like apprenticing to take over his business. 
And then um, teachers that I had in community college were like, hey, we need like an assistant because they had a gallery space and a graphic design process. Yeah. So they're like, we can't pay you, but you can come and hang out. So what I ended up doing is just painting the walls over between exhibits. Yeah. But in that time, I got to meet David Cho, uh, AJ Fossick, like all these really predominantly kind of I hate saying street artists because they're of a caliber of fine art. Yeah. And just being surrounded by them, seeing how they acted, just seeing their character, their personality, and especially being exposed to them while they're hanging their work and the way that they would talk about it, just like, again, set another bar where Mm. I was just like, wow, there's these people who are doing these things that they love and they just are doing it, you know? Mm. I think they put maybe certain responsibilities aside just to be able to have the bandwidth to make this thing that makes them happy. And that was the pivotal point where I had the conversation with my dad. I was just like, I don't want to do work with you anymore. He's like, God, I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> so, How long um, were you working with him? For like a year. Right. Yeah. Long enough to hate it every, hate it every day. <laughs> yeah. um, you had a similar kind of like, you were in like the labor. What, what were you doing? Sorry to cut you off, but Bob. No. You were doing, what were you yeah, doing I back did the commercial day? electric work for a, a concrete or a cement company, yeah. um, which is filthy, disgusting. You were doing and, the hate, hate it every day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and like the, our busiest time was in the winter and like doing electrical Weird. work where you're working with tiny wires in the winter. Um, you can't wear gloves. So it was, it was pretty much miserable. So yeah. like, you know, you often like think about like, okay, I'm, I'm having a bad day. And it's like, whoa, like pretty fortunate to do. Gives this you a humility thing. and oh, yeah. gratefulness of what you're doing now. For Gratitude sure. yeah, is yeah. a better that, word. That like, perspective is, I don't know is huge. Is a word. I learned um, the best thing ever from an electrician that was on a job site that I was working on with my dad. And yeah. he says, if there's a wire that you think is live, you hit it with the back of your hand, yeah. not this hand, because your muscles contract that if you touch yeah. it with an open hand, you'll, you'll basically ah! like and not Squeeze be able to it. let go of it oh my potentially could kill yourself. Yeah, you know what I learned on electrician <laughs> These are good. It's I didn't know these tips were never believe someone when they say that the, the power's turned off, that you That's always, good. it's always live unless you actually <laughs> turn it off yourself. So, because yeah, I've it. been electrocuted, it's not fun. Dude. Yeah. You learn something new every yeah. day. That's, that's why you're so. That's why you're so unique, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm electric. I was gonna ask what was wrong with you. Yeah, lots, lots of things. Lots of things. Sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think people that start in those places, those more humble, having the experience of a job that you really truly hate mm-hmm. or is super challenging, uh, definitely gives you gratitude and drive the mm-hmm. rest of your career. I think I've, I meet a lot of people that come from art school straight into a cushy design job that's maybe not super fun but it's still design and then they work out of that and they're just you don't have that gratitude of like well i could be yeah well and being I think electrocuted right even now. like yeah. in design even if you like graduated and you came straight out and got a design career right away like i feel like it's important to start at the bottom and yeah. work your way up like there's, there's no reason to have a sense of entitlement when you graduate and uh, you see that sometimes with with people and it's unfortunate but but there's some people that are just really talented yeah, from the true. No. totally yeah I, there's no judgment but i i think for me i have an a gratitude and a drive from having crappy jobs early on and for sure. yeah some people are yeah just amazing i'm not <laughs> some, yeah. some people are and yeah. yeah and good for them well and like a judgment. lot of my drive comes from like a similar thing where like my dad 
drove a cement mixer for 36 years and uh-huh. I saw kind of the, the struggles that he um, kind of had or like that he didn't really enjoy doing that but he did it because that's what paid the bills and it you know took care of all of us and like not you know yeah. your parents wanting you to have a better life than, uh-huh. than what they did and then you know that kind of rolling downhill. So there was no work. You're working for your dad. Working for my dad, but yeah. then my my lovely girlfriend, now wife, um, and we had been doing a long distance relationship, and she just she had this epiphany where she made a decision, and she's like, "I'm selling all my stuff. I'm moving to New York." Dude, what what was the epiphany? Sorry, the epiphany was she was like, you know, also st- we we met in school. Yeah, she was studying graphic design, and she found herself working as like. A studio manager for a photographer. Right. And I think it was just this moment, and it was similar to what I was having, but in a different location in California, of like, what am I doing? You know? This isn't like, do I see myself doing this for five years? So I remember getting a phone call, I'm like, Eric, I'm selling everything I own at a garage sale this weekend, and I'm going to New York. And if you want to come with me, I recommend you do the same. That's That's serious. Balls. That's awesome. Yeah. Not balls. Not balls. Ovaries. Ovaries. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's, Yeah, yeah, no, that works. Yeah. Um, Because women are way more. Women are way more tough than. That's absolutely true. One hundred percent. I've been thinking a lot about how men are just jackasses. Like I think about all the men I've ever known and how much they just complain and just yeah. don't get on with just the regular because stuff. Because and- yeah, we have this like something to prove because we know like women are just way more awesome and naturally just yeah more yeah, yeah. and yeah. that we just have something to prove so that we just power through and just kind of push through our agenda on everything when they're like just sitting back and like <laughs> just wait we'll have our turn you guys yeah, you guys go. mess everything Come up on, and yeah. keep trying yeah, yeah. You, you you have fun with you this part of the chap his the chapter in history um <laughs> so i i did the same i like i made the most money selling all my records which now i regret because there's a lot of them that were awesome mm. that i don't have yeah but i then like uh fast forward a couple months later and we were on a flight to new york and had three months in savings to hopefully get us through. Did to you find have any prospects problem. or anything? Nothing. Right, that's good. Awesome. Just high spirits. Yeah. And what was cool on the inaugural flight out there, um, MC Hammer was on the flight. And it was JetBlue, so he was flying, like, coach with the rest of us. <laughs> so I was like, man, if MC Hammer is flying JetBlue, this is a good sign. <laughs> Dude, that, that is great. Maybe man. not, but Maybe yeah, not. yeah, yeah. Uh, so... We landed and um, we just we just figured it out. But I'm a very late bloomer, and I think I have a lot of gratitude by surrounding myself with a people who are way more talented with me that have the patience and um, honestly patience to just see other people's drive and nurture it. Mm. My wife is that way. All of my friends that I worked with first in New York that I then started this blog with, Friends of Type, Aaron um, Karambula, Jason Wong, and Dennis Pyongyang, those guys are just such phenomenal people, and I wouldn't be in this place for all of those moments in which they were like, what are you doing? Like, you can do this more, and sitting with me, and if there was moments where I'm like, I don't know how to write a bio, and I'm so insecure about my writing abilities, they're like, do it, and then we'll work it out. Mm. You know, sometimes you just need to have someone 
on your side rooting for you. And I do understand that not everyone has that because maybe there's that ability and shyness not to reach out to somebody, but mm -hmm. there's someone always willing to help. Yeah. And there's always someone better in certain areas of life than you. Yeah. But you have to be wise enough to just understand where they are better at and reach out for help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so lucky enough, I always have these moments where I probably get so frustrated and I'm just like, I need help. Yeah. So, um, does that still happen? Oh yeah. Very yeah. much so. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. What kind of things do you not to skip ahead? But what are things about running an art business that are still kind of a struggle or uh, frustration? Um, I think now you get at a point where you are f fortunate enough to get hired to do the work that you had always dreamed about. Yeah. Because you put in the time to get yourself there. And there was a part of you deep down inside that wanted that. So that was a fire that propelled you. And somehow this sounds hippity-dippity, mm. but the universe has its way of just, as long as you have this yearning for it, somehow yeah. it'll figure itself out. If mm. it's five months from now, if it's 10 years from now. So for Did each- Did you always have drive? Like, cause that yeah, always, yeah. yeah, yeah, but a very quiet one. You right. know? I was always competitive, but I was always the most uncoordinated. I was yeah. want to be the star basketball Dude, player. Dude, I'm the exact same in that my, my compet, if, you had, if I do like personality tests, my competition, is off the chain, but I never thought of myself as competitive because I can't shoot a basketball. Yeah. So I, and, I, and if you're really competitive, you won't play games that you suck at. Exactly. Because you're like, because you don't want to set yourself up for fail. Yeah, exactly. But the only way you get better is if you actually like commit to doing it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally true. So that's like the double-edged sword of being a creative is that, you know, you 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 start you start putting pencil to paper and you have this thing in your mind but your hand isn't executing that idea. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Yes. And then um, the, the, that's like the quick reality of like, okay, I really need to work at this. Um, so... This is the whole idea of like hourglass and the creative gap. Yeah. Like you, you have good taste and you see like the work. You appreciate good work and you see the work that you want to make, but you can't, you're not making that and work. And you're stuck and frustrated yeah. because you know the work you're making. That same taste. Yeah leads you to know that the work you're making sucks. Yeah. 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 But to your question of like where there's moments where like you have to reach out for yeah. help is yeah. like I'll have these like ideas that come into my head where it's just like, okay, I want to make this piece, but I know that there needs to be motion associated with it. I don't know how to do any motion. Mm -hmm. So I will then reach out either it's like Twitter and or uh, my close connection of friends and just saying like, hey, do you know of anyone that could potentially help? And I was giving this talk last year at Tipo Berlin and I knew that I needed to have this one minute animation that set the precedent was like, it was my hype man before <laughs> yeah, I went on stage that's good. I like that. to get yeah. everybody excited because my slot was after lunch and I just knew people were gonna be like <laughs> food coma. <laughs> yeah, so I needed to have something loud yeah. and I needed to have some black and white flashy seizure-esque yeah. transitions. Yeah. So, um, very uh, someone connect, uh, a friend connected me to Alan Lester, who's based out of Nashville. And I was just like, Alan, I have this idea. I've storyboarded it all out. I love your work. Can I hire you to do this? And can we mm. collaborate together on it? And he's like, yeah, man, let's yeah. do this. Yeah. And like, helped me through it and was a great partner in it, learned a lot from him of like what not to do next time, of like <laughs> certain things that might be complicated yeah. to do in a, a two-month period for a one-minute animation. But 
understanding that you know you can only be as good as the people you surround yourself by mm. and being willingness and open to uh, work with other talented peers and colleagues mm-hmm. and and like I, I fully paid him I'm like this is my budget what can we do with this budget because I understood his time is valuable yeah. so I wasn't just gonna try and like hey I'm gonna do this thing can you do it for free because mm-hmm. um, that's totally messed up (laughs) that's bad practice and I wouldn't want someone to do that with me and and so and it happened and it was just like it was this great great thing and like okay now it's like I do murals and I understand if someone's gonna hire me I can't be in their space with highly toxic fumes for three weeks Mm -hmm. so I probably should reach out to either a sign painter or just get a hired hand so like get in there install it and be out in two days but I have this pride. It's getting rid of the pride, right? Like, no, yeah. I can do this all myself. But it's just like, you, at some point, the only way you're going to grow is by accepting the fact that you don't know this, these things yeah. that you, these new assignments that you're tasking yourself with that um, can only be achieved by actually getting help. And recognizing those people that help you and giving them credit. I, mm-hmm. I feel like there are people out there that just hire people but then don't give them credit and I yeah. think that's totally messed up because yeah. this is a communal thing we're all like striving to Trying. keep the lights on yeah yeah um and saving up to buy a house or whatever or feed your kids that like you know pay credit, credit with credit, yeah, for yeah. credits too so so do you find that relationships are a big deal for your career I mean yeah when I went to San Francisco I was really struck by how relational you are. Just not even just with artists, but with restaurant owners and just every person that you met. I feel like you have a a deeper focus and appreciation for relationships than probably any artist that I've ever met. I just feel like it's a natural, innate uh, thing where you seem to really appreciate the different relationships that you have and uh, they seem to play out in all kinds of different interesting ways in your career. Is that something that you, is just natural for you? I think I've always been, uh, I gravitate towards people who have talent and are passionate in areas outside of the thing that I'm doing. Right. So in my mile and a half walk to work every day, I pass by a bunch of restaurants, I pass by uh, a coffee shop, and these are just things that I adapted into my life. So there's a sushi restaurant that I would go to. We went to coffee. Yeah, we had a relationship yeah. with this guy. Yeah, we just, uh, yeah. And I and oyster I oyster place. And I was just like, you can you go into these places and you could like sniff out the fact that they love that they were doing, yeah. and then that is the connection. And it's not necessarily I go in like, hey, I'm a graphic designer. Like you love what you're doing, I love what I'm doing. It was just like. If this person's passionate about this one thing, they're probably passionate about a lot of other things. This mm. gets back to my friends like Keith and then even my buddies in, in New York, uh, Jason, Aaron, and Dennis. Is like They were just nerdier in areas that um, you were into, but because of their gravitational pull and how excited they are about those things, they became something that you became interested in. Mm. So um, I started learning more about like fish and the preparation of fish and like what made this sushi restaurant that was... And as this first location, it was like maybe 20 seats you were there, like mm. 25 seats. But people just the, wanted to be there. Where we had the oysters. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I love that. And then the coffee shop, too, is just like Grand Coffee and the Mission. It was this like four, four seats. And 
I just was in, I remember the first time I went there, I was so intimidated, but I could like sense the fact that everyone in there was local, but right. they weren't like these new transplant yeah. um, that were coming in to either work in the tech field or, or um, whatever thing reason. is popular yeah, in the yeah. industry in San Francisco, as there are many. And uh, there was like uh, this guy, Tai Wei, who's born and raised, not born and raised, he was born in Taiwan, but moved to the mission when he was eight years old. Right. And he had like all these crazy stories. So like, I just kind of persisted and then ended up like being able to like, okay, if I get there at 9.01, I know yeah. I'll get this right stool. <laughs> and I just kind of like cemented myself there. And then lo and behold, um, I just found out like, man, community is everything. Oh, yeah. Because there is the community that you have online, but then I think the one that you can build these great relationships that kind of like add value to your life are the ones that are these personal connections. Mm -hmm. So um, it's those day-to-day -day interactions that actually kind of like slightly influence the work that I'm into because maybe there's a topic that came up in the coffee shop that mm. would then influence a lettering piece that I was doing later in the day. Mm. Mm. Or there was a musician that someone's like, hey, have you ever heard of this like uh, punk band in Mexico right now? I'm like, oh, listen to that. I'm like, wow, look at their work see kind of what visuals they are attributing their um, music to and then get inspired by that. You know, everything is, yeah. there's these like, these, you just have to like keep pursuing, but then there's these new avenues that people will like open doors for you and they're yeah. like, whoa, what? this is amazing. Yeah. But because of those people that are in these uh, industries outside of design that I've, I'm grateful for those relationships because they really do introduce me like some wonderful things that I would have never have time to because mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of time in our days, right? Yeah. Like yeah. chasing kids around, making podcasts, <laughs> um, <laughs> doing 10 things at work, trying to do work, workshop sessions. And I think uh, one thing that, uh, so I'm naturally a workaholic. I'm so grateful that I have a family because I feel like not this is not something I, I this isn't a bragging thing this is a problem it's a real problem like i i if i could uh i would work every hour i'm awake and weekends and just do because i'm so interested in and i've gotten so nerdy in this little particular area that um you know i find that you know some people will get into lettering let's say and they get so deep into lettering that their lettering is about lettering and for letterers, right? And I'm so inspired by your interest in everything because it's my nature to be like, I'm, in, I'm into illustration and I'm, I'm going to do a podcast about illustration and I'm going to talk about illustration until you're, and I always think about how you're, if your art lacks your life, it's dead, right? Yeah. And I think about, um, and I think especially when you're did young. You, did you art act, that that quote that was good. <laughs> I don't know. I I'm sure someone else said that first, but uh, it, I definitely I'm I am so uh, inspired by your natural interest in people uh, and all these different things and how they in turn turn into real life content for your work. Yeah, uh, and so many people, especially like people coming right out of school, get so ingrained. You know, the the design, especially in design, maybe even not less in illustration. I came from design, but they're just so into design, so in there. You know, all they know how to talk about is kerning, and you're like, 
but you can't design about kerning. Like no. <laughs> it has to have a the heart. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. And I feel like the work that speaks volumes and the, the work that or pieces that designers or illustrators that have made that have withstood the test of time are those that um, just they you can see the authenticity through like their their they put their DNA into that work. Yes. There's some sort of flavor and, life and people and you know human experience. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And um, especially being in America, it's so multicultural that you cannot make esoteric work, in my right, opinion. Right. Because we're not an esoteric society. Right. So when I see stuff that is just like sans serif, I'm like, that's not us. That's right. not representative <laughs> of like the people who use stuff. So like I have right. a problem with this that. This is good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it should be colorful. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Just because I don't know if everybody picked up on the nuance of what you just said. Um, unpack it to whatever unpack it is it's like we live like we don't live in these silos anymore Mm. and we live in this like diverse country if you love it or not that the influences are they cross pollinate everything like you know I remember sitting in my room when my parents like left to go run an errand and turning on MTV and Mm. like seeing Dr. Dre Dr. Dre and Ed Lava just uh, talk about this, talk about hip hop, talk about that culture. I'm like, that is way more interesting than my own. (laughs) And I want that. (laughs) And being young enough to understand that's like way more interesting than the life that I'm living. So I think those things seep into your existence and that that is the fabric in which like we should uh, pull inspiration from, mm-hmm. meaning that then the work should be reflection of all those tiny things that we're exposed to in this beautiful country that I feel like some people try to strip away because right. it's just like, we're going to try to get to the heart of just this essence, mm-hmm. this intrinsic value of what we're trying to represent. It's like, but we're not that way, you know, yeah. like we've got good history, Messier, we've got bad history yeah. and like... Um, embrace it. Mm-hmm. Add some curves to it. Add some volume. Um, mm-hmm. uh, don't be afraid to use fluorescent, vibrant colors because yeah. that's the nature of like we like exist. We're not in Switzerland right now. Yeah, like in the fifties. Exactly. Yeah. It's no like, offense. I like yeah. modernism yeah. and all that, but and I, I agree. There's you know you should be influenced by where you are now and yeah. what's happening. And but yeah. you know, in my opinion, it's like homogenized culture, and therefore that's why you get to that. That's how they got to that point. Right. And I have plenty of Swiss design books. Yeah. And I value that aesthetic. But I don't think it is... It, when I see it outside, if someone's trying to do it here, I'm like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's actually speaking Where's to your how you're living. You and, yeah. 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 I like yeah. that. Yeah. Totally. So. so, all right. We'll go back to you're going to New York. Yeah. Uh, and what happens when you get uh, So... Man, fast, New York is so fast-paced. You, you, you come with like all the confidence of the world being from California. It's yeah. like, yeah, I just came from this gallery space in San Jose, California, and yeah. met all these artists, and it was such an inspiring time. Then you get surrounded by like everyone who's just as talented as those people yeah. you're painting like uh, their walls for. Yeah. And you have to level up as fast as the sun rises the next day. 
And I found myself, um, I, I found, I don't know Getting how. Getting thrown in the deep end is not the worst. No, but I, yeah, exactly. But I found myself, I got an internship at Lander Associates. Sarah yeah. Williams, who's now a partner at Beerwood & Co. She, for some whatever reason, my portfolio box looked like something out of Lord of the Rings. And it was like, <laughs> I had printed everything on my inkjet printer and like Super 77 it and attached it to this masonite that I milled down. The portfolio box weighed literally like 25 pounds. <laughs> and I remember like sitting in there like during my interview and I could just see they're like, okay, like there's, there's something here, but it was really Sarah who like, yeah. she just had, she, I don't know what, she just saw something, she saw in something. Me, yeah. and she gave me a chance and then she opened the door for the rest of And I, every time I see her, cause we're Landor's pretty big. It's like a pretty, big yeah. Place. You know, like at that time, like Landor was it and it still is, they produce amazing work, but this was like BP's done bad stuff, but when right. they made that logo, like to me, that was like aspirational. I, was like, I love that. Wow, yeah, like nice. you can take something like in that industry and make it colorful. That's a different podcast. Yeah. Anyways, so I found myself there, and then I was surrounded by people who were just like beyond talented mm. in all facets of life, and I recognized that I needed to level up, like I said, very, very quickly. So what I had started doing is um, taking on any project because they have a culture. If you come in as an intern, you're not like, like exactoing presentation boards. You, they throw you into the mix. Like, okay, we're doing an identity work for this pro bono project. Um, you guys go off for two days and make this, all these assets and applications for it. And so we were doing what the art directors, creative directors, uh, senior designers were doing. Yeah. It was awesome. That's and awesome. we got to present it. If, if something was picked, we would actually get to go to meetings and present it. Beautiful yeah. thing. And I think all design studios should do that. Yeah. Because we have to keep this tradition alive. And the only way by doing it is letting um, junior people see how you like say like people who are in senior leadership present and then also give them the chance to experience it themselves. Yeah. What did, uh, what did you learn in that phase that is still in play now? Do you still feel like yeah, I, presentation? It was the, um, you're going to get briefed and that you know that the client is always going to, they think they want this thing. Yeah. But what in reality, what they want is something slightly like if you look at a linear, if you look at this kind of like line, the middle is the like moderate uh, kind of middle ground. If you go left is um, I would consider more conservative. And then if you go right, that's like far out. Mm -hmm. So where they probably want to be is probably more conservative yeah. in their opinion, because yeah. they probably see what other companies are doing that are doing better. Like, oh, that's that's why we got to rebrand ourselves. Yeah. So I understand that um, there's the psychology behind getting clients on board in like selling them in this direction you want. Mm -hmm. So there's this pacing that you have to show these options. You have to show them what they ask for, but then you also have to show something that's super conservative, have to show something that's like a little bit far out and then something that's super far out. 
So eventually where you can get them is somewhere that's between moderate and far out. Yeah, that's good. Where they should be. It's a good trick. Um, and then showing them the process of how you got there, educating them why you think this is good. I found they did a lot of strategy work there and I found value in it because you have to speak to it because not all people are creative. We all want to be because mm. I think being a creative, people are just naturally intimidated yeah. because it's just like primal thing that we all we all want to be artists mm -hmm. but at some point we have to commit to actually making money yeah. because we live in a capitalist society yeah yeah so um yeah being able to um get just get people to uh believe in your ideas mm -hmm. and that's what i think strategy helps and i learned that at landor yeah and i still apply that to everything yeah so that's really good did uh so how long were you there how long was I there? Uh, one and a half years. Not long. And then what'd you do? Uh, I got poached to go to another place. Mm. So that's the thing. Like an art director leaves and then takes his crew with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure that happens everywhere. How long were you in New York? Six years. Six years, right. And you were, were you working full time the whole time you were there? Yeah. Right. I, so I started out like a big branding studio and then worked my way to like a four person of uh, the design kind of studio kind of yeah, yeah, yeah 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 right yeah and then that failed miserably and then the economy collapsed and then decided to head back home to california right yeah, yeah. uh i moved to la spent six months there watched lost because i was nice. just yeah i feel like was it i lost myself literally <laughs> i was like yeah. uh, every time i had visited la it was this romantic place and then i was like oh my god it's the most isolating place in the world coming yeah. from a place like new york yeah right some people transition nicely into that new type of culture. I didn't, my oh. wife didn't. Luckily she got a job up in San Francisco that relocated us, that kind of paid for our mistake of moving to LA. Right. And <laughs> uh, at that point when we did move to LA, I just wanted to freelance. I just didn't want to work for anyone. I didn't want to have to like, if I didn't want to have to be at work at 9am. So I, were you already into lettering? Uh, I, I, yes and no, you know, it was that thing that I was always doing that I put a lot of effort into, but I never actually like attributed to like, oh, I can make a career out of this. Yeah. And even in school, like lettering was a term that was never actually used. Mm -hmm. I heard calligraphy more than I heard type design, more than I heard lettering. So how did you, what was your first like encounter with like lettering? Lettering was uh, like doing a label for Diageo or something like right. some, not Diageo, like Bacardi, where you pick a typeface and you understand that like everyone's using Mrs. Eves. So is there something that I can outline this typeface and modify it? Meaning like make the S more eccentric right. <laughs> to make it feel custom. Yeah. <laughs> and in hindsight, you don't mess with type design, especially if it's well designed. They're yeah. like perfect it's as like is, because uh, yeah. <laughs> these guys or like uh, or something. Those people spent a lot of time making uh, that stuff great. Yeah. But it wasn't until I moved to San Francisco and I was doing freelance, had a terrible client meeting, and I just like out of pure frustration, just lettered this thing that said like "thank you" and "fuck you." It was very juvenile. <laughs> And when was this? This was like 2009. Okay. Not, yeah, no, not I, I was 29 years old. Like yeah. I've been through, like I've been through the system <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I did this thing. I sent it to Aaron Crambula and yeah. then he, he's the guy from friends of type friends of type. Yeah. And this is all over iChat, iMessage, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And this was at like, uh, 6 PM 
or 3 p.m. West Coast time, which means it was 6 p.m. his time, and he was still on the East Coast. He's now on the West Coast. And he was just like, oh, you should post it somewhere, because this is when, like, blogs were predominant. Yeah. And he was like, I was like, well, where? He's like, let's make something. And then, mm-hmm. the, like, the challenge was on. So we actually had archived this, the dialogue between us on uh, iMessage. Yeah. And uh, we came up with a name an hour later. I quickly designed this, like, little logo for it. And then we started putting up content. The first thing that we posted was my thank you and fuck you. Yeah. So I have to probably call that client and say, thank you for not being a nice person because that is what sparked this thing Yeah. and this new career for myself. And again, and, I love that this is like something from your life that sparks your creativity. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And then I, we recognized because we looked at the Google analytics, we're like, oh my God, 60 people have visited this site. <laughs> yeah. This is amazing. Which would be a lot now. Because nobody goes to websites anymore. No, no one cares. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like all about Instagram yeah. or Snapchat. So then we just started loading it with content because at that time, too, blogs all were aggregating um, other people's uh, work. They were looking for content. From portfolio yeah. sites, and it was just like Fufa Found, which yeah. is going. It's their defunct May 8th. This is sad. That's a, that was a weird site. Yeah. Some dark corners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dark but bright. You guys get on there? Yeah. 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 I, I spent three hours on it the other night, uh, reminiscing, yeah, yeah. Getting nostalgic. I haven't been on there in years. <laughs> Every once in a while, there'll be some kind of weird tangent that gets me on there. But yeah. yeah. So we don't do it. Bob says don't. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) we prided ourselves on like posting original content, and we made it a fact that right. Unlike all these curating blogs, yeah, there was no one doing original content. And then what was funny is like I think five days later, um, Jessica Hish started Daily Drop Cap. Uh, So there's this like frequency in life where someone just everyone finds this new radio station, I guess. Yes, and they're like, I've been listening to this other terrible station forever, and like, what is this? And Uh like, oh, I like like something in the air. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You catch it. Yeah. Yeah, Different people catch it. Yeah. So we all caught it kind of at the same time and we just hustled. Like we, I hate that word, but we really did. So every day we were posting something. You knew. Yeah. We would hit something. I, yeah. We, we all knew. And then I like, I, I just did everything in my effort to make it a priority. And I had a conversation with Dana, my wife, and I said, like, this is something I really want to do. Can you basically cover me? Right. So I said, I'll cover like rent and some other expenses, but like, I'm, I just want to spend time developing work. Mm. And so for two years, day and night, you know, I do a little trinkle of freelance projects, but day and night I was just making work. And it was this like beautiful moment. It was probably how I imagined what college should have been, but it wasn't yeah. for me, yeah. but I only experienced I really it. really similar things. Yeah. yeah. When I was like 29, 30. Yeah. You know, and like. Right now, I feel like creativity, like you're 29, 30, you're like, oh, you're fucking old. <laughs> but I also look at the people that I'm totally inspired by are people that were making their best work in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. True. And I yeah. want to be 80, and I want to be doing this, and Thank I want to be able to look at the work and being like, I'm making it the best I can do today. Yeah, I'm, yeah, me too. Well, so, I don't know. That, like, go ahead, what are you saying? No, I was just like, I'm sure you guys feel the same. You yeah. Know? It only gets better. At, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, it's, a, it's a long play. I always think about that with Paul McCartney. It's like I, I don't dislike what he makes now, but I always think, is the fire there? I just want to yeah. have a conversation with him. Yeah. 
But anyway. <laughs> yeah, as he's just like, oh, I gotta pay for that third house in Monaco. <laughs> yeah. Like that, yeah. Uh, I always think that, like, oh, Hall Notes are touring good. That like, must mean that they, like, they, need, need, a, they yeah. need to pay off a new house. Uh, what about that moment was not luck? The like, moment of, like, Friends of Type Star? Yeah, you know, just all that like? stuff. What, was there anything that anybody could extrapolate and learn from? I mean, how, how did you, I mean, there's a bunch of things. How did you have the intuition to feel like, what gave you the notion, like, there's something here? And how did you have the guts to do a leap? And, like, okay. what, were, what were the things that, yeah. I do think, like, I have a tendency not to share my work. And I understood that I was working with Aaron, Jason, and Dennis for so long. There was this comfortability that they would never judge me if something was, like, inadequate. Mm -hmm. I might think of, it, uh, think of it as an inadequate, but they would see it like, wow, that's something that I know I can't do and I appreciate because there's something within this that is unique. Mm -hmm. So that's why I reached out to Aaron. And I also knew... I was I had always admired Aaron because he was always like five years ahead of us with technology, like everyone I knew. Right. And he was just naturally like loved it, loved everything that was happening with like new computers that were coming out or whatever you name it, he had it. So I also knew like, man, like Aaron was the person if this was going to happen outside of like him also loving um, lettering, that this might be the person like to help make this thing into something. Yeah. But I think it's because none of it was contrived. It was all this like natural. I was just sharing it to share it. Wanted to see like it was more of a therapy session like man I had a really bad day. I did this thing and like here's just look at it for me and mm. just be nice. And he's like yeah it's awesome and then yeah he's the one who's just like we're gonna we're gonna make a website. Yeah. We're gonna make a blog like in three hours, you know? <laughs> and um, and then it just, it, it was just like the planets aligned. It's like, yeah. I don't know how to, but the thing is like, you have to put yourself out there. You have to have the conversations with those random people that there's just going to be this moment in history where it just strikes. Yeah. It could be when you're 60, it could be when you're 14. Mm -hmm. um, but at some moment, if you just are pursuing it and have that perseverance like yeah i understand that it will happen for mm -hmm. everybody yep just depending just thinking when. and it looks like if you're going back everything that led you to be friends with aaron there was all these like next right things that yeah. actually didn't probably i don't know if they seemed cosmic at the time but they all came together into that moment yeah, yeah. in that moment and then like you know, Aaron and I were going to just run it at, like, Friends of Type as ourselves, but then we're like, ooh, we want to generate a post a day. That we then reached out to Jason and Dennis, who we knew that they loved type, calligraphy, and lettering just as much as us, if not mm -hmm. more so, that they seemed like the only people that would be appropriate to, like, have a part of the crew. Yeah. So... And right. we're all into, like, things that people had crew. We're all, like, into skateboarding. So we're, like, the Powell Peralta crew. And, like, it was just this, like, common theme. Mm -hmm. You know, like, the greater sound. You know, like, collaborating, you can only make better work. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward to now. Uh, one question I wanted to see if you had an answer for. It's kind of a weird one. Is what response is your favorite response to work that you've done? Oh, the, like, man, you have the variety, and like, you know, um, Bob 
and his uh, company that graciously invited me to do this workshop. Yeah. Um, he gave this nice introduction before we kind of started the workshop. It was just like, I mean, maybe I don't want to paraphrase it because I'm really bad at paraphrasing. It. <laughs> so if you want to jump it, Bob, maybe, yeah, tell Bob, us. Can you tell us? <laughs> oh, I don't. That was like. 12 hours ago. Yeah, that was longer. Five months ago. Um, no, I think uh, what always strikes me about your work and what, what really drew me to you in the beginning and as someone I looked up to when I first started lettering and still to this day is like kind of the breadth and versatility in this. Um, there's so much style in your work, but there is no like one style in oh. what you do. And that like that's super rare um, in today's kind of world people you you know it's like you have to have your kind of niche and like this is what that person does and you're so far from that and it's all like always respected i'll be honest so with you sorry yeah. uh i'll be honest so i work with a lot of creative people and uh i will see a lot of people just trying to be amazing number one and i'm like there's only one michael jordan like you can't like he he was a, yeah. he was the michael jordan of basketball yeah. Be we, more like the Michael Jordan of rebounds. You could be Dennis Rodman. Uh, but I always say, because especially if they're letting, I'm like, we've already got Eric Marinovich, uh, the Michael Jordan of lettering. But I do think that you have this crazy ability to tackle all these different things. And I wonder if, from your perspective, if there is a thread. Maybe it's not aesthetic, but if there's a thread that runs through all of your work. Mm. That is a good question. Yeah, and I, I'm always kind of curious about that, that from your perspective. Really if there's, are there things that you feel like you're bringing to the table every time, even if they're not aesthetic? Insecurity. It's the insecurity. <laughs> That's the secret. I know. <laughs> it is a secret sauce because um, when you work for yourself, you have this sensation of maybe tomorrow no one will like your work yeah and i i should probably go to a therapist and talk to him <laughs> about this but i don't I'm but i think though, this yeah. is yeah <laughs> dr miller <laughs> um but i think that is like the drive because everything that i make i feel like it could potentially be the last thing i make and yeah. if i fucking die tomorrow because mortality is a thing true that we should all Think talk about. about and think about yeah. that I want to know that last thing that I touched with the pencil that I put to paper or uh, the software that I used to create something is the best thing that I could have done that day. Yeah. So I always get gripe of like, oh, man, my process is so slow. I like meander on making decisions, but we live in this current time where everything is expedited. So. If you open up Instagram and you follow 10 people, you'll see that those 10 people are on the other side of the world doing these awesome things that that enters into your bloodstream and into your consciousness where you feel this like, if I'm not making something every day, then I'm not a part of the, the fast pace of this, this rapid stream we are all behind. in, in yeah. creativity. And I... I was a part of that for a while before Instagram came around because that's just something I gravitated to by doing Friends of Type because yeah. I knew time was of the essence and I wanted to create the body of work and I knew that I had a limited amount of time before I probably had to find a real job right. and actually start <laughs> contributing to paying, yeah, right. paying bills. So it was that insecurity that then led me to um, 
again, making things like everything I make is just like if if something happened to me tomorrow, I'll be like and totally that's today content. even. I yeah, I could die on the plane home tomorrow. Yeah. Like, but I'd be okay because I came here, got to hang out with Bob, got to hang out with Sean, got to hang out with you, be inspired by a conversation that I ha- wouldn't have had back home. Yeah. And that's something that I'll just like carry with me for the rest of my life, which is awesome. And that's something that we always forget. Like we have these great conversations and then something else comes up and we're like, mm-hmm. just wa- wash it away. I always want to keep these nuggets with me. So like I have a bad time. I'm like, but remember that time we were hanging out in Indianapolis? <laughs> that was so good. That was a good and we'll be, next time we meet up, it might be 80 years old. We'll have this moment to share. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so insecurity. Yeah, that's the thing. Insecurity um, and just making something. And that sounds like so fucking cliche, but it, it's like true. Yeah. It is really true. So, What do you uh, love about lettering? Billions and billions and billions and billions of microcosmic options. So they're... For, I never saw that answer coming. So <laughs> that's fantastic. They're for everything, for every letter form, you can never draw the same thing twice. Yeah. In my opinion. Right. I, maybe that's There's an infinite t- amount of yeah, ways of interpreting yeah. these things. Maybe that's a type designer approach where, you know, they might view something as more systematic and that it has to fit into this, like, you know, there has to be this correlation of, like, contrast and color and weight and uh, serif, sans serif. But what I love about lettering, and, and this, I shouldn't say that about type design because those, everyone who does type design are prolific. Mm. So maybe we should just cut that out. But lettering, (laughs) (laughs) on a daily basis, like either while I'm walking or I'm watching a television show, there's like something new that I'm seeing that I didn't see the day before and that triggers something in my mind where like, hey man, maybe you should try that out. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that would be the thing that you're going to like love to do forever. Right. Unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) seven or eight years in, I I haven't found that and, and that's okay and I've accepted it. It's part of what you do, for sure. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I, I follow, con- like, the contemporaries that I love. They, they found something, and they found it early, and I'm so jealous, but I'm also so happy that they found this rhythm and frequency that yeah. they love doing and that people respond well to, and then that's something that they can do, and for each new thing that they do, it still feels fresh, it still feels contemporary. I do hope that I can find this moment where... I'll find a niche and just mm-hmm. carry that with me. But um, you still have that. Oh yeah, that's wild. Yeah, but uh, I was uh, talking with uh, Bob earlier, and this was an uh, interview that Charlie Rose had done with David Bowie a long time ago. Yeah, and recently I think Pentagram worked on redesigning Charlie Rose's identity, mm. and that they put all of his interviews online. What? It I didn't know that. Awesome. That's cool. So he had done this one with David Bowie, and he asked him this question of, like, you know, if you look at your portfolio of work, it's all over the place, either from each album you do to then wanting to publish, be a publisher, or start an internet company, or start being a painter. Mm. And his response is, like, I have no loyalty to style. And hearing someone like, um, someone who I've admired forever... David Bowie say something like that and say it with such confidence was like, damn. Yeah. Okay. Milton Glaser said something similar too. So, so you got that. Maybe well. he saw David Bowie say maybe it. Maybe he did. I didn't <laughs> see David Bowie. Now I'm saying that. Uh, so 
that's kind of now, it, it was reassuring to hear someone say something like that. Not that I needed to hear David Bowie yeah. say that, but it was just like confirmation yeah. that he has those struggles and has the confidence like, I do whatever I'm interested in and then mm -hmm. I pursue it. Yep. And I think, uh, I don't, of course I don't know, but I imagine from an art director's point of view, they can call on you when they need something done that they haven't seen somebody do, but you know that you can deliver precision and something mm -hmm. that looks great. I think that that's the thing that you see across all of your pieces is that there's just precision, it's lots of different mediums and just, I always tell all the creatives I work with, they've gotta be able to trust something. What can they trust? They don't have to, if they can't trust your style, you can give them other things to trust. And I feel like you, whatever thing you're using, whatever tool, it always is gonna look polished, it's always gonna look considered, it's always gonna be slick. And so I imagine, you know, when random brand has an idea that yeah. they don't know exactly how to execute or it doesn't follow some kind of style yeah. that's already pre-existing or yeah. somebody else's, they can turn to you. And I understand like, you know, what we do is commercial art. So like uh, clients come to me because they have a problem. They see something in my work that they think might help solve the problem. So I will do the best of my ability to kind of answer it the way that I think it should be answered. Yep. And, um, but I think that's why the variety comes into play is because if you stuck to one thing, then you limit your palette. Mm -hmm. But then that's why I carve out time in my calendar year. I understand now that like around the holidays, post Thanksgiving, things just slow down. Yeah, Maybe yeah. it's because yeah. people have out, they've this spent is, all their this money. This is wisdom, by the way. Yeah, they spent yeah. all their money and no, no new projects are coming in. And if there are projects, it's because like there's some fire drill and it's something didn't work. Yeah. And you basically have zero hours to make yeah. a huge You're campaign. on Christmas. And, and don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Because it's not worth it. It's a bad And the situation. work won't be good. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> yeah. If you're new in the yeah. game, this is good. Because it's just, um, it, it's, it's like, oh, like let's drive through this forest fire. We'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So I utilize that time when like things slow down to just focus on making personal mm. work. And I know that everyone and their mother has gone on a conference stage and then written medium posts about the importance of personal work. But as a yeah. freelancer <laughs> there, it's the thing that then you put out into the world that art directors, if it's ad agencies or design studios, they're looking for something new. New. That they can co-opt, basically. Mm, Not, yeah. and, you know, that's great. In but some, then, in most ways, yeah, yeah, there are like they are like the researchers and yeah. the developers that see something that's good and are able and have the wisdom to basically see that that would be very good to solve the solution yes. for this thing that we're good doing. connectors and. It's so much easier for them to go into a meeting with Coke and say, "Look at this. Do you want your campaign to look at that? Look like that?" Yeah. And, like, and it doesn't. And because it's not attached to another brand, they're not going to feel like, "Well, Pepsi did that yeah. or whatever." Yeah. You're like, "Well, it's just this artist guy. He's real creative, making stuff." Yeah. You know? And so I think that is the symbiotic relationship that you have to understand. It's like you're a farmer, and like if you're not. If, if you're not in the marketplace and realizing that, um, like we have friends that live in the Central Valley in California and like it was all about 
raisins. And so every single farmer planted raisins. But then trends changed and all of a sudden like people started wanting to eat figs. Yeah. So everyone then ripped out their raisin, their grapes, and started planting pomegranates. Yeah. And I mean figs, and then it became pomegranates. Right. And now it's almonds. Weird. This is weird, but it's very true. So yeah. as a creative and as a freelancer, you have to understand that trends and aesthetics change. Yeah. So you have to be wise and just like Buy a new field to fucking plant a new yeah. different type of fruit. Gold. You're a farmer. Yes. And you always have to plant new seeds and you have to tend to the land. You know, it's a tricky thing. And I wonder, um, I don't know exactly how you uh, navigate this. When it's quiet, sometimes uh, that's when people feel overwhelmed by dread and panic. Yeah. And then it's hard for them to make work in that place. Yeah. Uh, how do you stay the course and just systematically be like, all right, there's no jobs or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to keep my head down and do what I got to do. Got to plant the seeds when, you know, that there's no crops. To be 100% transparent, like the last couple of months have been tremendously slow. Yeah. And I've reached out to a lot of friends of just like, hey, man, like w w the feelers. Like, yeah, yeah. how are you guys doing? You know, not with saying yeah. directly how I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everyone came back after um, uh, poking them enough with questions. It's like, yeah, man, it's slow. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's this, um, again, there's this something in the air. Maybe it's political where there's this like state of uncertainty where clients are kind of like holding on to their money. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to necessarily do new ad campaigns that... Um, I, I got really nervous because mm. as you are a parent and you have a yeah. child, your overhead goes from like zero to like a thousand yeah, yeah. overnight. Yeah. So I have to make sure that I'm maintaining this like, um, you know, I, I, I have to be making, I have to make money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that insecurity then like, I always have some idea in my head that I'm trying to like do the next, like an idea that comes into play that I will like, this is my next side project. The last like six months, I haven't been inspired, mm. and I don't know. Again, it's because of the political thing and just mm -hmm. reading too much. A lot much. of people are in this zone, yeah. But then, what happened was like I got sparked by like, man, I live in San Francisco. I'm surrounded by these prolific, talented creatives. That if they decided to be freelance on their own, they could kill it. But they have the golden handcuffs because they have they're mm -hmm. working for companies that are paying them awesome yeah and they are smart to be working at those companies right. because they're setting themselves up for a great future for themselves and their family i'm dumb and i don't <laughs> i don't i don't i don't care because it's yeah. it's i don't want to live that life i want to be, be i want to be a creative yeah yeah you can be a creative there i understand but i want to be a creative in a way that i'm showing work that i'm controlling my destiny yeah yeah and if it fails miserably that was my own decision that was my own making so um, I, I sparked this idea of like, what if there's a thing of like, there was that time in history where it was all about lettering and it was all about advertising. So if you looked at like the San Francisco, I imagine back, back, backtrack to like the 50s and it's like the San Francisco Chronicle where the paper was just like ads on ads on ads, but it was just like new and exciting, like uh, sponges and nuts and bolts. But then it was like beautiful commercial art yeah. and, and, and commercial lettering. And then I thought like, well, let's reinterpret it with my frustrations of living in an expensive city and being this freelancer in a community where like everyone else is making more money than you mm -hmm. and like maybe surviving, I assume surviving better than me. Yeah. So like it's all these like um, special bad credit offer or like 
big sale, only $23,000 a month, you know, that type of, and you know, it's like, it's cynical, but that's the state I am living in. And And that's how your whole lettering thing started. Back to my Being true to your thing. Yeah, where you're at, yeah. inspired by your moment. So yeah. I want to make this book and just do these like these pieces where they're just like, uh, they herald back to this era of like le- commercial lettering from the 50s, mm-hmm. but instead of saying like, try this new like uh, baking soda, it's awesome. It's just like <laughs> something real. It's just like um, that Louis C.K., like everything ama- everything's amazing, but nobody's happy. True, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I feel like that's kind of just how things are. And I know it, it all passes, mm-hmm. but... Uh, you only do good work by recognizing like the moment you're living in. So. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's so good. Uh, we're gonna wrap up really soon. We've been talking for three hours, I think. Yeah. Uh, I had one other question. Oh, you've done tons of stuff, murals, uh, everything. Is there anything that you haven't done that you want to do? Yeah. Lots of it. Is there a thing? Is there like, I want to do a bucket list. Like, what's the thing that you want to make that you haven't? Movie titles. I hope that someone I, is listening to this please. and sees how ridiculous it is that Eric has not done movie titles. I did this like. Um, that would be amazing. God, dude. I, oh, come on. I did this thing for like FX for that show Atlanta. Okay. And I was so excited because, like, here's the pilot. And I, like, watched it. And I was, like, enamored by just how amazing that pilot was. Donald Glover is just the man. Yeah. And I've never been so inspired by this this 30 minutes of visual dialogue, visual dialogue and and everything about culture that Mm. I love. So, anyways... I, I did this pitch and I just like put my heart into it and I like watched the show was playing on repeat in the background while I just spent three days. I yeah. should have like done a day, but I extended it yeah. out as much as I could. And then I, I finished it and of course it didn't get picked. And then like a couple months later, I realized like uh, my buddy Adam Garcia uh, had worked on the pitch. Yeah. Um, uh, a buddy of mine in, in France, uh, Tirsa, he had worked on it as well. And I was like, <laughs> I thought you loved me, you know. <laughs> but um, those are the moments that are uh, are very humbling, and mm. when you know that your contemporaries that you uh, admire because of their talent and just how smart the work that they so good. I know. Is he Make done sure a podcast? No, but he definitely should. Yeah, man. Yeah. He's beyond talented, and yeah. he's articulated in ways thinker. that many are not. Yeah. Uh, so. Like I want to do that. Say, he's a thinker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I really, I would love to do that. And I think I also want to do more in community engagement. Now having children, I'm like, man, we are just like wasting away. We're like killing the environment. <laughs> but I think you can't just go f- shoot for the moon where you you're like, everyone Disney has to recycle. No, not yet. Okay. I went to Disney World and it just, I try to be not an intense person, <laughs> but I'm looking at all the trinkets and I'm like, why do you think the world is ending? Yeah. Look at all this crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Anyway, yeah, like, that's sorry. made from petroleum. Yeah. Um, but this uh, is stuff that didn't come into play until recently, and like I'm contributing to that as being like, yeah. uh, you know, commercial lettering artist. That I understand that in order to like, I need to get back. So I recently started donating money to replant trees. That's cool. So every quarter I give back to um, um, a couple. Print. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wait, I'm literally uh, cutting down trees, and yeah. I want to make sure that if my son becomes a lettering artist, there's like trees to make pulp from to make paper. This is nice. <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. But I, I think I, I want to somehow figure out to make some sort of like self-initiated campaign in San Francisco. Just like, hey, man, like you live in this beautiful place. You might have problems with it, but let's try and like be considerate of like not just like throwing something mm-hmm. in the street. Yeah. And think that someone else is going to pick it up for you because mm-hmm. that's not the state that we live in. And I would love to somehow figure out something that is smart in a way that people actually would not look at their smartphone to actually look at and then maybe reconsider like, yeah, maybe I should recycle those batteries that I throw in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's important to me now. That's awesome. What kind of pizza do you eat? Everything. Everything. We had. Me too. I don't discriminate. We were in Indianapolis and we had. Uh, uh, the Basbos. Basbos. Twice. Twice. Good pizza. I, it is. You had Basbos too when you were here. I've Quattro had it Fumaggio. Times, yeah. It's yeah. the jam. So can we say we're so few session alumni? Yeah. Yes. Because that's what brought us here. That's right. Yeah. I'm from Indiana in, too. Yeah. I, yeah. The 30 I, minutes he's a Hoosier. But Bob is um, uh, an amazing connector. Bob and, is. Really I don't know he, Sean. He, I think he it seems good. I might be. He's yeah. good. We'll yeah. He stayed. I'll give you an he update. Stayed at a, he yeah. stayed at a house, our house last night, and we invited him back to stay You're again this alive. night. So, so, yeah, we didn't get murdered in the night. Yeah. So, See all's how good. It goes tonight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Thank you. Should we do a. Um, no one can see we're doing. We're doing handshake. handshake. It's oh. official. Oh, I have man. one final question. Yeah. How do you feel about frilly toothpicks? I'm for him. It's a club then. Let's start a club. Fruity toothpicks. What's that? It's a Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's like his best line. Really quick was like, I don't get why people stand out handing flyers because it's like here, throw this away from me. Yeah. <laughs> I love that line. Throw it out. I was thinking about there's him. So, there's so many good, good lines. That's ridiculous. Yeah. All right, Pete, Mitch. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's so awesome. So Eric did this interview after the after a really long day doing a full day workshop and uh, late at night and I just want to say a massive thank you to Eric to being on the show and and doing that, um, dude. I just want to pour out. I'm I'm so I'm such a I want to communicate my feelings about. <laughs> <laughs> how deeply I appreciate your time and how much of an inspiration you are to me, man. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being so generous with your time and energy. I can't wait to go visit you in San Fran again sometime. Um, go check out Eric Marinovich's work. You will not be disappointed. Go follow him on Instagram. His work is gorgeous. Uh, thanks, man. Really, really appreciate it. You are the best. All right. So guys, thanks for everything. Thanks for all the love and support and listening to the show and blah, 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 blah. Thank you, uh, is what I'm trying to say. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y. Y is one of my all-time favorite bands, if you didn't know. Uh, and they provide the theme song, the beginning song and the end song, uh, which just is a dream come true for me. So thank you to them. Go check them out. They have a new album called Mo Lean, and it's gorgeous. Go check that out. Uh, I guess gorgeous is the word of the day. 
thanks to Metavari for all the other tunes. That's my buddy, Nate Utesh. He is just another sweetheart. I love Nate. He is such a good dude, and his music is so gorgeous. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, thanks for all the tunes uh, from his band, Metavari. You can listen to them at soundcloud.com slash Metavari or on Spotify and wherever music is proliferated. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Nate. Uh, thanks. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for spreading the pep and uh, all the love and support. Um, couldn't do it without you guys. And uh, do whatever it takes to stay pepped up.